the inspiration of Scripture. What does that mean that Scripture is inspired? Is it simply inspired in the way a song or a performance is inspired, or is it actually from God? So that's the question we're dealing with today. Is Scripture written by God or by men is really how to distill that. So, Jonathan, what do you think? The short answer, yes. (laughs) It's both, right? The Bible has dual authorship. It's written by God and by men. Like 50-50? No, no, no. 100% God, 100% men. And so yeah, so how is that how is that possible? Obviously people are going to have a problem with that or be confused by that. How is it possible? Can it how can it be both God and humans that write scripture? Yeah. Well, I have two statement verses. The first verse is uh 2 Timothy uh 3:16 and 17. It reads this way. All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So the key phrase in that verse is breathed out, right? God uh, breathed out scripture. So that and that word is often interpreted inspired. Inspired, yeah. yeah. And that means scripture is from God, right? It's from yeah. God's mind. It's from his essence. He breathed it out, which means when you breathe something out, you're speaking it yeah. into existence. So he spoke these words. They're from God. And then the second verse I have is Second Peter uh, chapter 1. Yeah, good good uh, verse to go to on this topic. Yeah, uh, verse 20 and 21. It says, Knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Hmm. So what does, this, what does this show us? Yeah, it's an so, interesting passage. Yeah, it shows us that the Bible was written or spoken by men, as they were uh, guided or inspired by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah, it says <clears throat> men spoke. So that's the first thing. So the men are speaking. So this communication that we have is true human communication. Yeah. It's not just angelic words. It's not indecipherable. That's what often people think, right? Is, well, the Bible is God's word and, and God is inaccessible to us, so no one can ever understand it. It's, it's too, it's beyond us. Yeah, yeah. But that says it's, it's using normal human communication, right? Mm-hmm. It's not meant to be indecipherable, but also it's from God, right? Yeah. So men spoke from God. And what about this, like being carried along by the Holy Spirit? What is that referencing? Yeah, so a lot of people will talk about or will think that means like, I don't know, did these guys like, did their eyes roll back in their head and they start just like, yeah, writing yeah. on paper and then they woke up and were like, oh, let's see what God wrote. That's not how scripture is written. Um, yeah, the biblical view of scripture uh, and dual authorship is called, it's a fancy word, verbal plenary theory. Yeah. And so what that is, is the idea that while the authors of scripture were thinking and feeling human beings while they were actually writing these words, God was superintending them by spirit in such a way that the words that they were writing were exactly what he wanted them to write and what yeah. he was willing them to write. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, so it's it's not that they are being taken over by God, that they're writing against their will or something, and it's not that God is speaking every word to them. Yeah. We know that there are times where God speaks, speaks and man they writes. Write it down. There's yeah. even... You know, when it comes to the law of Moses, God is writing this by hand, yeah. so to speak, right? Mm-hmm. So there are those points, but in general, what you're saying is men are speaking what's what's on their mind. They're speaking from their own personalities. 
their own, you know, thoughts. But at the same time, God is, um, yeah, superintending. He's directing all of that toward exactly His will and toward His purposes. Yeah, and the Bible like lays that out pretty clearly. And I think the best example of that is Luke chapter one. I'll just read it really quick. And it says, uh, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who were from, who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. Most excellent Theophilus that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So Luke is saying, says the stories of scripture were passed down to him by eyewitnesses. People saw this, they experienced it. They were uh, also written down likely by the other um, synoptic gospel writers. And that he investigated these accounts, that he wrote them down, that he wanted Theophilus to be sure of the things um, that were taught to him. So Luke is saying, I did these things. I heard these things. I investigated these things. I wrote these things down. And yet God is, as he's doing that, God is superintending exactly what he wants Luke to write down. Yeah, that's interesting. So, so yeah, that's not only is he using real human language, real human grammar, modes of speech, but also he's engaging in real historical analysis. Yeah. Right? So this is a historical document. It's a grammatically understandable document, yeah. right? It can be interpreted. And both of those are only communicating exactly what God wants to communicate. Exactly. It, to me, it, it makes me think of just how much this similar idea of these two things that have a confluence together that seem impossible, how God does this. Like, I mean, just his providential control of the universe is is similar, right? Mm-hmm. It, it kind of mirrors that, like Genesis 50, 20, right? You meant it for evil, God meant it for good. Now, this is speaking of something that is a... An, a and act in opposition to God. Yeah. But even that, God can superintend for his purposes specifically. So it definitely stands to reason that God can do the same in human communication. Yeah. Or that he can be so in control that someone is, again, Joseph's brothers in that verse, they made a real choice and God chose to direct that for his ends. Which he is meant to save it for world. good. Yeah. 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 Or the death of Christ, we've talked about before, right? Same thing, evil action, God uses it for good. And so, of course, God can let someone freely speak of their own will, so you know, and then also accomplish his purposes and communicate yeah. his perfect will. And people also like often will compare it to the person of Jesus Christ, right? Yeah. Both fully God, fully man. And the scripture is both written by man, 100% written by man, and also written, inspired 100% by God. Yeah. So there's, yeah, yeah a lot of correlations there. Yeah. Great parallel. Yeah. yeah. That these things are beyond our understanding, but they're communicated clearly in scripture. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's great. So, sorry, I took you off track there. Where were you? It's okay, yeah. Uh, the next thought I had is, well, why does this matter? Why does it matter that Scripture is inspired by God? And I think there are four implications that I'll give. There are more implications, but I'll give four. And the first in, uh, implication I have is of the Bible being inspired by God and written by man is that, like you, you've brought it up earlier, is the Bible is clear. It has clarity, right? We can mm-hmm. actually understand the Bible, yeah. right? The Bible is written by men. They were th- writing, they were thinking freely on their own and God was uh, inspiring them as they're doing so. And of course, like that doesn't necessarily mean they, uh, especially with the Old Testament writers, that they knew exactly uh, perfectly what God was going to do or was fully yeah. revealing, but they seem to know like this is 
what God is saying and God's, you know, he's going to redeem us somehow. Yeah. yeah. They, had, they had a small part of the picture, but what they saw, they saw clearly. <clears throat> and you're speaking more to we can understand it. It's clear enough in communication that we can understand it, comprehend it, yeah. or a- apprehend it at least, not fully comprehend it necessarily. But um, I'd, obviously people are going to jump to Revelation, right? That book is so confusing. Yeah. You're saying that's clear. People often talk about like, you're taking the Bible literally. You just kind of flatten everything out. That's not what you're saying, obviously. No. You're saying God is using normal modes of human communication. Yeah. So you can look and you can look at some of the grammar and you can figure out what it means. It doesn't mean every part of scripture is going to be equally easily accessible. That's not what it's saying. Mm-hmm. There are definitely parts that are more difficult. But the clear text, right, that's what we base things off of. So we can actually see what it means and build off of that. Yeah, and the fact that the authors knew what they're writing shows that they have an intended uh, meaning for the text yeah. that they're writing. So we should be seeking to understand what the author's intention is. We yeah. don't have to like come up with our own interpretation. No, it's clear in scripture. This is what he's writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah, because you can get this weird space of, well, if it's divine communication, then it must be kind of mystical in the sense of it's not about so much what the actual words and paragraphs mean. Yeah. It's it's about kind of the meaning that just kind of pops out of it or some, you know, some sort of weird interpretation. Like I've shared with you the the story about the the woman named Joy, right? Do you no. remember this one? Oh yeah. So I was it was after <laughs> I preached the sermon. It's one of my favorite sermons. Okay. And there's certain people when you when you interact with them, you immediately are like, you're gonna be a sermon illustration someday. Like <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And this was this lady, she was like <clears throat> I just spoiled the punchline, but she, I was talking about how the Bible is not, you know, the same idea. It's not a mystical thing. It's not just whatever you feel. We shouldn't just be opening the pages of scripture and just, you know, pointing and being like, okay, that's now what God's saying to me. You should understand it in context yeah. and actually use your reason, use God-given wisdom. You let the Holy Spirit, right, interpret the scripture. Um, and this woman took offense at that. So she came to me after service and she said, when, when my husband... Um, first met me, he opened up his Bible and he turned to, I think it was Isaiah 55, and he pointed to a text and it said, you shall go out with joy and something else, oh right? Oh my gosh. Referring to, you know, you go forth with joy, you know, yeah, it's yeah. obvious. And she said, and my name is joy. is joy. Boom, mic drop moment, right? <laughs> and so I'm like, oh man, no, that's, I mean, and again, okay, I guess we'll, Leave some mystery there, but it's not meant to be understood that way, yeah, right? Yeah. Obviously, he already wanted to date you. He was already thinking about dating you. Yeah, exactly. Maybe he should have just, you know, thought through it. I got sought advice like an old person. And, yeah, yeah. But no. And I, also, I'm like, that guy's got game. Like, respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Respect the game. It like, yeah, comes yeah. to you and like, the, the Holy Spirit told, told me. Told me. I'm like, I bet, you, I bet you money. He's like, looks like in accordance, like... Joy, yeah, where's found Joy that? Bible, and he's yeah. like, now she has to go out <laughs> with me, right? Yeah, yeah um, maybe he can find Mary Joy too. But anyway, so yeah, that's not what we're talking about with clarity. We're, talk- we're talking about it means something. The the words are formed in a way, given in a way to communicate normal human speech. Yeah, and then the second implication of the inspiration of Scripture is that the Bible is inerrant. It's perfect, right? It's without error, and that makes sense, right? If God is perfect if he's without error and he writes something it would only make sense that the bible then would be perfect it would, ha- it would have no error yeah and i think 
the next logical uh, question would be for somebody like, well, well, wait, doesn't the Bible have contradiction? Yeah. Right. I see these two verses. They seem to contradict each other. Uh, there you go. Bible. There's, there's, there's error in the Bible. There's contradictions. And my response to that is no, the Bible's perfect, right? It's, it's inerrant. And the problem doesn't lie with these two scriptures that seem to contradict. It's the problem lies with your interpretation of what these two scriptures mean. Yeah. Right. The, it's not the Bible. It's the way you're understanding the text. Yeah. When a fallible person encounters an inerrant text, there are going to be contradictions. Yeah. There are going to be confusing things because of the person approaching them, mm-hmm. not exactly. because of the text itself. So, yeah. And we could maybe someday go through a lot of those kind of problem passages like one one common example is, what does the sign over Jesus's head say on the cross? Right. One gospel says, Jesus of Nazareth. One says, King of king the of Jews. The Jews yeah. One says, Jesus, King of the Jews. Well, it presumably said some combination of all of those. Yeah. And yeah. the author is not going to give you every detail of every scene. So they're using again normal storytelling, exactly. which would not be exhausting all the facts or who went to the tomb. Right that sort of thing, like they're going to give certain partial information to communicate their point. That doesn't mean there's error there. It just means, yeah, if two people had an experience, they would communicate different details about it. Mm -hmm. That's just how it happens. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I think things like that, again, we could kind of go through a lot of those, but the the inerrancy of scripture is saying there is no error in scripture in the original text. Yeah. Right. So as it was written, it is perfect. And, um, and so, yeah, I think the Bible has proven itself again and again and again. Time after time. Under, under challenge. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it's been put through incredible scrutiny. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the third implication of the Bible being inspired by God is the authority of Scripture. Mm-hmm. Right? The Bible is the authority of how, of how we should live our lives, right? Because God is God, he's the one who gets to determine how we can live, uh, how we can relate to him, how we worship him. And he's shown us how to do that. And he shows us through the Bible, Yeah, <laughs> right? It's God's authoritative word to us. He spoke to us. He gave us this word. And to disobey anything in Scripture is to disobey God. Yeah. Yeah. And I think this concept, this idea, this or this doctrine of authority is so lost in the church today, right? If you talk about, oh, I believe in the authority of the Bible. Like, I don't want to go against what Scripture says. I hear it all the time, right? Well, don't put God in a box, man. Yeah. Like come on, don't put God in a box. I'm just living by the spirit. God, like God told me to do this. God told me, uh, I'm supposed to go out with joy, (laughs) right? Like, yeah. As they do something that God has totally just said, well, maybe not that person, but, uh, God literally says, don't do this. And you're saying, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want to put God in a box right now. The authority, this is God's word. He gave it to us. We're supposed to follow it and we're supposed to listen to it. And it's not meant to be uh, a burden. I think that's why people often jump to that uh, uh, error is because they don't understand that Scripture is not meant to be a burden. God's authority is not meant to burden us. It's meant to bless us, protect us, give us life. Absolutely, right? And we're, yeah. supposed to, we're supposed to love it. We're supposed to enjoy it and, and love Scripture, yeah. love its authority. And my favorite verse, one of my favorite verses is Psalm 119, 97 through 104. And it, it makes this point perfectly. He says, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandment makes me wiser than my enemies, for it is ever with me. 
I have more understanding than all my teachers, for your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the aged, for I keep your precepts. I hold back my feet from every evil way in order to keep your word. I do not turn aside from your rules, for you have taught me. How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts I get understanding, therefore I hate every false way. That's good. Yeah. And I think that's an important point because God's word is meant to be our authority, right? It's We turn from every false way and we're supposed to enjoy it. It's supposed to be yeah. as sweet as honey. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. It reminds me of Psalm 19 as well, right? Just the, the authority that God's word speaks with, the joy that's there. Yeah. It's just so so clear. Yeah, and so the my last implication of the Bible being inspired by God is that the Bible is sufficient. Mm-hmm. The Bible is sufficient. What I mean by that is because the Bible is God's word to us on how to know him, how to obey him, how to uh, worship him, it's it's all we need. He, yeah. he tells us how to worship him in the Bible. We don't need anything else. We don't need to uh, turn to anything else, turn to any other text, turn to any other uh, person that doesn't know anything about the Bible, right? The Bible is sufficient in telling us how to worship God. And I hear this, this is something... Another thing I hear all the time in the church, something else I hear in the church is, well, I just want to know God's will for my life. How do I, yeah. how do I uh, follow God? How do I uh, be obedient to him? And again, the answer is read your Bible. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right? It tells you how to be obedient to God. It's sufficient. You don't need anything else. Yeah. What so. more can he say than to you he has said? Right, as the, as the song says. Yes, yes. Um, and yeah, I mean, look at the words of First Timothy, Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. You read the beginning, right? The breathed yeah. out by God, but it's pr- also profitable. Scripture is profitable for proof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every, every good, good work. work. This is yeah. comprehensive language. Yeah, that the the, the knowledge you need most in, desperately. And the the works you need to do, you're equipped for it in God's word. Mm-hmm. So you don't need some extra, you know, I don't know, voice from God or sit there and just kind of <laughs> wait for God to move in your heart. You can look here, discern, learn, and the Spirit of God will guide you through these words. Yeah, and he'll apply it, is, it to your it life. Sufficient. Yeah, yeah, it's sufficient. Yeah. Awesome. So to wrap up, right, the, is the Bible, who who wrote the Bible? It's God or man? And the answer is both, both. right? Dual yeah. authorship. And it's inspired by God, written by men. And the reason why we should care is because gives us really good implications, right? Uh, the Bible, it tells us the Bible's clear, that the Bible's authoritative, authoritative and trustworthy, the Bible's inerrant, and the Bible is sufficient. Awesome.